Well, greetings, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Classroom 33 podcast. I'm Pastor Dustin here with Steve Prudian, and uh, today we are continuing on our topic of prayer. It's been a little bit of a long-running topic here, and just... Just one manner of bookkeeping that I think we need to add here is that, Steve, you're no longer teaching a class in Classroom 33 here at the church, are you? No, I'm facilitating instead of teaching. He, facilitating. You've actually moved up into deacon of discipleship. discipleship. And in stepping into that role, it's more of an oversight as opposed to an active role. And uh, right now... You're not teaching a class. No, I'm not teaching class, but I'm preparing for when I will. <laughs> <laughs> well, we certainly appreciate you continuing to prepare for this. Um, so continuing. So just getting that out of the way. And now let's dive into it. We're talking about prayer. And this week, you have for us um, more of a concrete, here is an example it's a hands-on. It's a hands-on. We've talked a lot of theory. Now it's time for the hands-on. And uh, this is this is your um, just a model, an idea, an example of prayer. So where is? Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about where this comes from? Because this is not what you would expect for your standard run-of-the-mill example of prayer a lot of people really don't they pray but they really don't know how to pray even the disciples weren't sure when they saw Jesus pray what he was doing right or how he was doing it so it's it solicited the question from the disciples Lord would you teach us how to pray right well, of course, Jesus um, took that request personally, and he personally took his disciples aside and taught them the priorities of how you pray. Yes. And um, to make that really quick, is that we pray, first of all, by entering into um, God's presence with thanksgiving. Yes. And then we also give praise yes and after we honor God we remind God in the name of Jesus because it's really his son as our high priest yes that brings our prayers before his father yes to find out his father's will mm -hmm. and if you follow Jesus's example he always asked his father what his father's will was he did even though Jesus is the son of God Mm -hmm. And so we, when we pray, we should be, if we, we can pray to God, but we have to pray to God in the only name that he recognizes that's worthy, which is his son, Jesus Christ. Correct. And the reality is, is, is that you can't fool God. No, you cannot. And God knows what's good for you, and he knows what's not good for you. Yes. He knows he'll, he'll entertain your prayer, but he'll also be the final decider of your prayer. Yes. Now, a lot of other things can go into it. But today, I was wondering what the priority 
our prayer is. Mm-hmm. And some people say, well, the priority is, is, is that um, uh, what Jesus prayed for, thy kingdom come. Right. Well, that's a good priority, but um, how is his kingdom going to come? And it's going to come through those who believe in him. Yes. And those who he believes that believe in him, some of those he appoints as pastors and shepherds over us. That's true. Well, knowing that um, he has decided who should be the leaders of the flock, he also knows that those leaders are under the watchful eye of the enemy. Correct. And subsequently, the priority of those that they're shepherding should be the protection of their shepherd. But how often do we pray for the protection of our shepherd? I think that in many cases, we don't know how to pray for our shepherd. Subsequently, I was convicted to um, do some soul searching and write down all the things that I know pastors need if, in fact, you are going to pray for a pastor. And I have um, enunciated or highlighted words <clears throat> that Dustin and myself will get into. Right. But I think for the overall, Dustin, would you read... This prayer, which is actually written to both Rob and you, is an example, but it can be used for any pastor anywhere. Okay. So people can get the flow of the prayer. Certainly. And this is a prayer for pastors. Our Father God and His Son, Jesus, our Savior, thank you for hearing my prayer. I ask that you equip and protect Pastors Rob and Dustin, pastors of Faith Baptist Church, Father, come alongside with the infilling power of your Holy Spirit and inspiration. Show them your love, purpose, and vision. Give them wisdom and guidance to share your word while ministering to the people you send them to. Strengthen and encourage them for the work you have called and anointed them to do. Thank you for the safety and protection with good health for them and families. I thank you for encouraging them with your presence, peace, joy, and all the fruits of the Spirit. May they be enthusiastically faithful, loving, and kind. Help them to govern with unity and harmony. Give them the proper priorities. Strengthen them each and every day. Help them in the time of weariness. Give their family understanding and with support for your ministry through them. Most of all, make them a man of prayer. Make them men of prayer. Show them and the church your faithfulness in answering prayer. Infuse them with direction, zeal, and enthusiasm for the work entrusted to them and the church. Bring them helpers who are strong and mature in spirit to do the work. Provide them with trusted, reliable, wise friends. Keep them and their families from loneliness and discouragement. Provide for them times of rest and renewal. Remind me to pray for your work and your servants, pastors Rob and Dustin. 
Show me how I can be of help to them in accomplishing the works of your hand and Holy Spirit. I thank you for hearing my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Rob. I'm now, not the, Rob. No. Thank you, Dustin. <laughs> you are welcome. I'm, I'm happy. I'm, to, I'm practicing. You're practicing. Yeah, I'm practicing. I told the people at the nursing home. Okay. I says when I get here, I would have enough practice to know what I'm doing. All right. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. So this is this is a pretty in-depth prayer. This, it, this goes deeper than most of our prayers do. It, it could even go deeper than that. And I'm sure it could. So, before we get into, because we've got some words in this that we've got highlighted that we really want to go through, but I want to just take a moment and, because I noticed that you thanked God for hearing your prayer at the beginning and at the end, kind of a nice book ending of that gratitude. You know, it's, and we went through, I'm blanking on the numbers now, but we went through a psalm, you know, a verse in a psalm that was all about the posture of prayer and that how gratitude is, is a part of that. The proper posture of prayer is a heart of gratitude, being thankful to God for that which he has given us and that which he will give us. And I just like how that is shown here. Just as simple as, thank you, God, for listening to me. Thank you for being there. I know you're always there, but thank you for that. I I really like that and appreciate that. And I'm just kind of making that my first point and notice in this. Um, so let's get into these words. Um, and I do have to ask, there's a lot of words here. Where did all of these words come from? Was it all inspiration by the Holy Spirit over the last week or so while you were writing this? Or where, where did these words come from? Holy Spirit never forgets anything. That's very true. And our lives, in my life, over the years, I've worked with a number of different pastors. And um, in working with a number of different pastors, all of these areas have come up as an area of need. Okay. Many a pastor struggles with all or some of these areas because the funny thing is church members or people even outside the church think pastors are supermen yeah that they're super smart that they can handle all kinds of things they have answers for everything and they have an unlimited amount of time for everyone. But they're just still men. Yes. So this list comes out of my observance through the power of the Holy Spirit to jot them down. Okay. Because the Holy Spirit knows. Yes. And in making this list, this is 
the list that the prayer flows in. I don't know if it's in proper order or proper priority, but this is it. All right. And you know what? It's funny. When you write a word, like the first word that's highlighted, equip. It's just a word. But what does that sure. but what does that mean to a person who's a pastor that has to manage a church? What does a pastor need to be equipped with? And only a pastor can answer that. <laughs> oh there's so many things. There's so many things to be equipped with. Um, you know, one of the things when you go through and, you know, I'm sure a lot of people, whether or not any of them are listening or not, but I know a lot of people have gone through this, like, spiritual gifts test and the different things that, um, you know, all these different gifts, administration, exhortation, teaching, preaching, um, recruiting, sending, building up, all of these things are are required within a church. Um, and part of it is a pastor has to have some at least basic ability to do all of those things. Um, because without that, you just don't build a body. Uh, there's, so that's a part of it. The first thing that really comes to my mind um, is, you know, I think about, I think about Ephesians six, eleven and twelve, the full armor of God, and putting on the full armor of God, and how He equips us with truth and righteousness and the sword, the book, the Word of God that is sharper than any two-edged sword, and um how he prepares us in that regard for battle. I also think about being equipped with a loving and patient heart. And you know, I'm not lead pastor. I'm family life pastor. I'm associate pastor, right? So I deal with a lesser percentage than Pastor Rob deals with, but we both have people come in that have difficult problems. They have difficult life situations. Or maybe they're a difficult personality to deal with. Maybe, you know, we are only human. Sometimes we deal with difficult people. And there has to be an ability that can only be given from God in order to be able to kind of fill all of those shoes and wear all of those hats, even many of them simultaneously. And it is something that myself and my role, I can struggle with because I kind of want to do things. I, I really like to kind of get things done and buckle down and I like I like to do that but when I do that I'm trying to do it under my own power and if I'm trying to do all of these things and trying to carry all of these things that God has equipped me with under my own strength I fall a lot 
and I struggle a lot and I deal with some depression and I deal with a little bit of anxiety and I deal with a little bit of, you know, just that being frustrated, pulling my hair out and why don't people just learn? And, and that's okay because I am human. I'm going to go through those and I certainly don't want to discourage anybody from coming in. Um, but when I, when I get it right and when I lean into God and say, okay, God, what does this person need? Okay. This person needs love and compassion and grace. Then he also gives me love and compassion and grace to share with that person. And so even the most difficult person, even the most difficult situation, even the hardest thing that we go through ends up not leaving me feeling empty because I asked God for what I needed and for what the other person needed. I asked for what the other person needs and then for God to do that through me. In which case, none of it's coming from me. And in a lot of times, there's leftover that I receive as well. And I ended up feeling more filled than drained at the end of it. If not heartbroken, but it's interesting because when I do it right, it really does feel like I receive as much of the ministering as the person I'm ministering to. That's what it means to me as a pastor for that equipping. You know, equip could be a very broad word. Yep. But to make it a very simple word, it just means help. Yes. To provide what's needed. That's right. Help. Yep. And that changes from moment to moment. Oh, it certainly does. Instant to instant. Okay, person to person. Yep. And who could be that smart? Only God. Only God. But that's where your help comes from. It is. That's right. That's where your help comes from. It doesn't come from all the books you ever studied. <laughs> you know, when you got to help somebody, you just can't say, I'll get back to you after I read this book. <laughs> right. Somebody going through crisis really doesn't want me to take the time to research. The second word, Dustin is protect. Well, why is that kind of an important word? Well, it's a very important word. Why is that an important word? Well, I'm going to go back to the armor of God. Okay. You know, we need to be protected. There's a reason that the display that we're given in that is of an armor. And it's not a whole bunch of different weapons. Partially because God wants us to let him fight our battles. But at the same time, he wants us to be protected. He wants us to be safe. And actually, right now I'm being reminded of Daniel and his prayer. And he was praying for clarity and understanding his dream and understanding his vision. And after 40 days of praying and fasting, Gabriel finally shows up. And says, I've been trying to get to you. Your first prayer was heard. 
And it was only through fighting. Michael the Archangel had to come and assist. Yep. Michael, that's, yeah. Michael, he had to fight his way. He had to bring a host to fight a host. He did. He had to battle his way to Daniel in order to share what that vision meant. And And what's the devil's name that Michael had to defeat? Yeah, was that Beelzebub? The Prince of Persia. Okay. Michael had to displace the Prince of Persia, who is referred to as Satan, the devil. Okay. So, I mean, there's, there is a spiritual battle that is waging all around us that we can't even see is really, um, I think, why that was brought to my mind. And we don't know what's happening. We don't understand what's happening in it, but yet we're protected from it. God keeps us from being injured by that. That's very good. One of the things that oftentimes I find pastors need protection from, which you wouldn't see it as needing protection from this, is too many people coming at them with too many ideas. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you could say the wish list. The wish list, the the idea factory. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I love hearing people's ideas. I wish I could do all of them. And that's, well, wisdom is further down the list, but <laughs> that's what I pray for mm-hmm. when those things come. It's interesting that um, <clears throat> two famous um, preachers both suffered from depression. And a lot of people will say that depression is just a mental or a physical ailment. But one of the most famous ministers was that of Martin Luther. Yep. His wife had to physically shake him out of his depression many times. Yeah, and that's that's pretty well documented yes. for for Luther that he struggled he struggled greatly and that was part of that was that's part of what drove him into the Bible. That's part of what drove him into developing his thesis statements mm-hmm. that were challenging the teaching of the church because when he when he dug into the Bible and he started reading the word and praying for wisdom and praying for that clarity, he didn't find there what he was being taught by the church. What he found was grace and mercy. And so, so yeah, that's, like I said, that's pretty well documented. One of the things, the other one is, is um, a lot of people from this time of and age probably don't know a, a famous preacher by the name of Charles Spurgeon. Oh, he struggled a lot. He um, he uh, went through periods of depression. Right. But he realized that his periods of depression was because of the, the weight of the message was so great. And the thing is, is, is that sometimes a pastor has to be prayed over for the protection that the message can be developed and can come forth. Right. Because the enemy wants to hinder that message. Yes. Because the enemy does not want a healthy church. 
and for sure the enemy doesn't want more to be saved right so subsequently the spirit of depression I'm not saying that it's being possessed but a person who's in God's work is actually a target of oppression yeah. outside forces that can make a make a person feel like it's impossible mm -hmm. to go on with the work and I've met many a pastor who were just at that point of breaking mm -hmm. of not understanding that why in they're doing good they were so depressed yep yeah and uh, I really like that word oppression it's come to me a couple of times recently I've heard it in regards to um, Christians who are being tormented by an evil spirit that oppression is very much a a good descriptive kind of a visual word um, and possession is of course the wrong word because once you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you you cannot also have an evil spirit living inside of you and taking over um, but it certainly doesn't stop them from battering you with dark ideas and unhelpful things. My observation of the pastors who have been in this situation of being depressed, mm -hmm. if they let you in close enough to them, you'll find out that they have no private life of their own. Right. They feel the weight of their ministry 24-7, and they're just weary. They're tired. They've not gotten any physical rest, any emotional rest, any spiritual rest. Yeah. So they need to be prayed for protection in those areas that they be able to come to the Lord and find rest. Yes. And, you know, it's a good good opportunity to point out Jesus tells us that Sabbath was made for the man, not man for Sabbath, which means it's not we weren't made specifically to observe a sabbath the sabbath was given to us as a time of rest it's it's a gift to us not not an obligation and pastors need a sabbath too they very much do a well-known pastor and minister by the name of Eugene Peterson I know him Okay. Fullerton, California. Okay. And uh, he's also the man that did the uh, message, message translation right. of the mm -hmm. Bible. But uh, what fewer people know is he wrote a memoir called The Pastor. And if you are interested at all in any of the struggles that your pastor might be going through, I would just so highly recommend pick up that book and read it. Uh, very, very fantastic insight into what it means to be a pastor. But one of the things that uh, that he uh, reiterates several times throughout that throughout his book is that pastors need a Sabbath too. They need a break. And he was pretty strict on on having that that weekly day off to rest and. Uh, so whether you attend here at Faith or whether you attend another church, um, if your pastor 
does not have a Sabbath, you should certainly suggest that to him. Talk to the elders, talk to the other church leaders, get your pastor a Sabbath day. Um, And if your pastor does have a Sabbath day, find out which one it is and do your absolute best to observe that. Now, we all know that emergencies happen and we all know that there are times when the Sabbath has to be foregone for different things. And that is ordained by God. And so you should never feel bad about interrupting a Sabbath for an absolute emergency. Um, but we should be we should be trying and we should be trying to honor the Sabbath day that's being given to our pastors because they do need that rest and they do need that time. I agree 100%. You know what? They're flesh and blood just like you and me. Yep. And you would know it better than me because <laughs> I'm on the outside looking in. Yep. Yeah, there was... I probably shouldn't bring it up because I don't know the name of the book and I don't know the name of the author. My my wife read a book a few years ago while I was going through school. A book came across, somebody recommended it to her, whatever. It was during COVID. She was reading a lot. Um, still does read a lot. I always reads a lot, but read more during COVID. Um, and it was about a pastor, a minister, um, who was facing a lot of these things and took a sabbatical and every time he thought he was ready to go back spirit told him not yet not yet not yet and granted it he talks a lot about other things that are going on i mean it's a much more in-depth book than what i'm really making it seem like but when it came to the end of it and he gets the okay and spirit says all right you're ready. He added it up. And for the number of years he had been in ministry, his Sabbath, his his sabbatical, was the number of Sabbath days he had not taken during those years. So... I think that's just, in my mind, a powerful example of pastors need a Sabbath too. And everybody does. I'm I'm a big advocate for it. You have to have a day off. I don't know if you've ever followed the, um, the outcomes of people that are workaholics. I haven't. But normally workaholics will come to an abrupt stop. Something will happen that will actually stop them from becoming a, being a workaholic. Mm-hmm. And the reality to that whole thing is, is, is that the price you pay for not resting is a price that no man can afford. Right. It's absolutely true. All right. You can talk to my wife and ask her if, ask her if she thinks that, that I'm that I have this I had the sin of workaholism. I think I'm gonna leave you off the hook on that one. It's like an alcoholic. He don't know he's an alcoholic. 
feel like if I ask her that question, she's going to get on your case about it. Um, yeah, she'd tell you the truth. <laughs> I know she would. I know she would. She's a lovely, lovely woman. Um, all right, so what's our next word? It is infilling power of the, the Holy Spirit. But infilling power is the subject. Yep, infilling power. And I guess I kind of talked about it with equip, but that's the work through me. I can't do it. I I can't I can't do for any I can't do anything for anybody under my own power. It's got to be God working through me. Especially when it comes to spiritual needs and life trauma and things that happen. There's nothing that I can do. It's all God working through me. So it just has to be that infilling of Oftentimes, the problem or the person we think we see mm-hmm. is not the person or the problem that really is. I can agree with that. I can agree with that so quite if, a bit. If yep. you don't have the infilling power of the Holy Spirit, you're going to try to rationalize it from your own knowledge in history. Right, which actually leads us into our next word. Yes, it does. It's that inspiration that mm-hmm. God knows, the spirit that lives inside of me knows what's really going on here, mm-hmm. what's needed, and it may not be anything even remotely close to what it looks like to the human eye. There's another reason for inspiration. Yes. I don't know about you, but I do know that the average pastor, his work week's about 80 hours. Roughly. Yeah. Average pastor's work week's about 80 hours. Part of that work week, Mm -hmm. he has to find some time to write a message. Sometimes more than one. Sometimes three or four. Sometimes. Depending upon how many places and groups he's talking to. Right. Now... You tell me, if a person's working 80 hours a week, how fresh are they going to be to be able to put those kinds of talks together? Oh, not at all. No. I mean, you're you're completely mentally spent. Exactly. So, however, have you ever written a sermon, Dustin, that it wasn't you writing the message? You were given a text and all of a sudden... You're either on the keyboard or you got a pen in your hand, and by the time you get done, you don't even realize what you've typed or what you've written. Yes. I'm I'm nodding the whole time uh-huh. you're describing this. Uh-huh. Yep, I and, have absolutely had that happen. And it's like a transfusion where you're just energized and it's no not from any energy that you have. Yes. Well, and I am not a writer. I am not. I went through school, master's program. I wrote a lot. Um, but I'm not a writer. I don't like to sit down and type at the keyboard. It's just, it is a daunting task for me to put thoughts down to paper. When God gives a message, it comes out easy and quickly. It's not daunting. It's not 
hardly even challenging. It just happens. And so I can certainly speak to that in my own life and in my own experience. Did you know that Charles Spurgeon, he wrote his message the Saturday night before? He preached it on Sunday? Okay, but I have I have to say this about Charles Spurgeon. He was an incredible reader. He was absolutely voracious. You give him a book and he's going to have it read like before you leave the room. He's going to have the book read and he read and read and studied and studied and scripture was a major major part of that. He continually went back to scripture. And everything was centered on the Word of God. And so when he would come up with a topic for a sermon, he needed no more than a small outline. As a matter of fact, there was talks, messages that he gave 15 minutes after scrawling an outline on the back of an envelope. That's right. That was sitting on the desk in his office. That's right. And it was published the next day in the newspaper. And it's published the <laughs> next day in the newspaper. Um, but I think we have to recognize that Charles Spurgeon had a very unique gifting in that way. And there's a lot that we can learn from um, the habits of Charles Spurgeon and some of the things that he did. Um, but that's not Dustin. That's that's not me. And I and I it I can tell you I'm a little bit jealous. I wish I wish I could read the way he read. I want to. I love to learn and I love to study, but my life right now doesn't give me the opportunity to read the way that he read. And I wish I could be as learned in things as he was. Um, and I and I do think that it would be absolutely amazing to be able to preach like that. But I have to be realistic. I am me. I'm not him. I have to start writing my message on Monday. I have to figure out my main point. What am I doing? What am I getting at? What are my scriptures? And I got to let that percolate for a day or two and usually type it on Wednesday or Thursday. That's just the way I work. Imagine a pastor who has three or four of those to do a week. I know pastors uh, who have three or four of those to do a week. And that doesn't include their Sunday school class. Right. So... We know that God equips well those that he calls. And I know that if he called me to do something where it was, you know, if he decides someday, Dustin, you're going to lead a church and it's going to have a Sunday morning service, it's going to have a Sunday afternoon service, it's going to have Tuesday night service and Wednesday night service and Friday night service and Saturday night, why not? then he's also going to give me the ability and the resource as long as I lean into him to do what needs to be done in all of those. 
That's the equipping part of it. We're back to equipping. Um, but we talked about inspiration. Yes. And inspiration comes from? God. God. Through? The Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit. So who's doing the work? God is. Right. And who are you? I'm a conduit, man. You're just the instrument. <laughs> yep. Just I'm, the instrument. I am just the instrument. The next word should have been highlighted with a capital. Okay. The word love. I have it as a small L, but a pastor needs a big L. <laughs> <laughs> well, this, you've got it here as a group of words. It is. Okay. And I don't think we're going to get through this whole thing today because we'll we're, we'll we're just, just do, we're just, just taking, the top part. Yep. We're, we're taking a lot of time here, which is really good. I'm really kind of enjoying it. It's maybe even a little cathartic to talk about. Um, you've got love, purpose, and vision. And those are all intertwined. Yeah, they are. And you really can't separate them and still operate as a pastor. No. No, you really can't because your purpose should be expressed in your vision. And that's what you're in love with. And that's, no, the people are what you're in love with. Mm-hmm. But the people are your purpose. The people are the purpose. You love the people, they're your purpose. But you also have a vision for their growth and their advancement through things and spiritual maturity. And um, there are people in our world that are going to choose to go to hell. They have that right. As a pastor... Breaks your heart. Every day. Every day to know that people in my community, people in my extended family, are going to choose to spend an eternity in the absence of God just breaks my heart. And if your purpose and your vision isn't centered on minimizing the number of people that make that decision, then there's not love in it. And some pastors, if if you're listening to this as a pastor and you're thinking, well, I've never looked at it that way. Maybe not explicitly. But if you've been pastor for any length of time, whether you've thought about it or not, I'm guessing that that's central to your ministry because that's what God wants. He's not taking his time. He's not dawdling to send Jesus back to us. He's waiting. He's being patient. He's being long-suffering so that more can come to him. And that's really our ministry. That's, that's the Great Commission. Right? Go and make disciples. Teach them. Baptize them. Send them out to do the same. Let's maximize the number that are choosing God over hell. Let's minimize the number of people that go and spend eternity in a torment. And that's, 
loving people is really something that gives me personally that drive and that sense of urgency that we really don't have time to waste on this. This isn't up for discussion in boardrooms or committee meetings. This is a hit the ground running. We're going to love people. And we're going to generate out of that love, that purpose and that vision that fits our community and fits our ministry that is going to minimize the people that make that choice for exile. Do you know what drives a pastor to his knees? Many things. But what are you thinking of? A minister of the gospel goes through a lot of emotions when he's preparing a message. Oh, absolutely, yeah. A pastor who has gone through this emotional experience, he's doing it with the intent of two things, two people. Yep. The person of God, that he be glorified, and that the people that God would reach. Yep. And yet, many a pastor in exhaustion after giving a sermon. You don't know. You would know how exhausting it is to finally finish a sermon. Yep. And there's no reason. It's just a speech. But it's more than just a speech. But what happens is what drives a pastor to his knees are the people who've heard the words over and over again, and yet they remain unchanged. They do nothing with what they've heard. Yes. That's hard. It is hard. That's hard. Because it's really hard. Because God is trying to get through to locked up hearts. And that's the problem is they've locked their hearts. But the pastor takes it on his shoulders, feeling that's his job that he hasn't gotten through. But they're not saying no to the pastor. They're oh, really right. saying they're really saying no to God. They're saying they're saying no to God, and knowing that. Now again, I'm not a lead pastor, so I don't really have the opportunity to take that personally. Not the same way a lead pastor does. Not the same way a lead pastor does, but even with that, it doesn't weigh any less heavy. Mm-hmm. Knowing that this person who's sitting right in front of you and hearing your words, hearing the words of God spoken through you. The inspired word of God. Week after week, month That's after it. month, year after year, is falling on deaf ears or encountering a stone heart. It's tough. It's really hard because you love that person. People out there listening, your pastor loves you. He loves you more than you can understand and in a way that you really can't fathom 
until you've been in that ministry leadership role. There's just, there's a heart that that's there that God put into, into that shepherd that's unique. And it's not better. It's just different. It's more tender. It's more tender. He loves you a lot. And he hates to see you hurting. And it hurts him to see you hurting. And it hurts him to see you struggling. And it hurts him to see you not growing. And so I'm just going to... There's a lot of people out there that might... That might say, you know, pastor didn't make time for me, or I missed this opportunity, or he loves you. He loves you very much. And to know that he has hurt you is something he doesn't want to do. He doesn't want to hurt you. It's the last thing that he wants. Now, pastors are only human. We're not God. We can't be everything for everybody all the time. And we're going to make mistakes. We're going to screw up. Please have some grace for us. Have grace with me. Have grace with Rob. We make mistakes. His office is right next to mine. He and I see each other make mistakes every day. We help each other out. We have grace for each other. We love each other. You know, we've both got a pastor's heart for each other, which... You should have. You which, need, you need which, that. Which, you know, makes it makes it a unique partnership in the world. And um, if we've hurt you, let us know. Do you know the because, lon- because we want to love you. Do you know the loneliest occupation in the world? What's that? Just to be the sole pastor of a church. I can believe he's that. He's the loneliest man. You want to know why he's the loneliest man? Because everybody comes to them for their needs, but nobody goes to the pastor to find out what he needs. Right. Yep. My um, observation from preaching, from giving messages. Yes. Is that some people come to church not really wanting to hear a message. They just figure it's just part of the program. So they don't hear. It's a it's a routine. Some people will hear the message, and they'll say, "Not me. I don't need that." They mm-hmm. have a spirit of pride. Yes. Some people hear that, and they're so afraid that they're too self-conscious to let other people know that they're so afraid. So they do nothing. Right. And then there's the last one. Mm-hmm. And the last one is the person who's only come to church because they're selfish. They want to know what's in it for me for coming to church. Not for others, and not for Jesus, not for God, but me. What must I do to inherit the kingdom of heaven? Mm-hmm. So, but we have more words we can go through. We got a lot more words. Yep, and I think we're we not can... even through the first of nope. one, two, three, four, five, six paragraphs. And we can, and we <laughs> can, and we can do this ongoing. 
I think we should. Because I'll tell you what, I think that maybe that people have heard enough from us in our jabbering over just a few words. But what's the most important takeaway? Pray for? Your pastor. Your pastors, okay? And pray for them how often? As often as you think of them. And you pray for them as often as you pray. Yes. Because they're ministering to you, whether you know it or not, every day. Yes. And so a little lesson in biblical language, because we've all, we've all read where God remembers. God remembered Noah. God remembered Moses. God remembered his people. And the English word remember is really inadequate for the Hebrew words that are being used to describe God remembering. God remembering isn't a, oh, I forgot about that. No, it is an active, okay, now I am going back to Noah. I'm going back to Moses. I am going back to my people and I'm going, it's, it's active, right? God remembering means, okay, now I'm going from big focus to little focus. And so remember your pastors. When you pray, remember us. Remember your pastor from growing up. Remember past pastors that you used to have. Pastors from churches you visited. Remember them and in the spirit of the Hebrew word that means remember, that's an active word, not passive. Not a thought that just comes to mind, but a changing of focus and and acting on that and doing something about it. Remember your pastors when you pray. Very good, Dustin. I hope the congregation, as well as those who listen to the podcast, will give a place in their heart for their pastor and their pastor's needs. I know many in our congregation already do, and I think that more might now. Um, now, Steve, you had mentioned something before we hit the record button about having this available for people. Well, we can provide this with um, with the front desk with Brenda, and um, if she wanted to print this, she's welcome to print this and hand this to people, so they know what items, what things are important for pastors in their pastoral lives to pray for. We haven't finished the whole prayer yet, but you did pray the prayer. I did. So this can be made available for those people who want to have a template to know what to pray for a pastor. Okay, so if you would like a copy of this prayer so that you can pray for your pastors, um, then if if you come to Faith Baptist, we'll have it at the info table at the Welcome Center. Um, if you don't attend Faith Baptist, go to our website, faith-hampton.com, and go find our page with the staff on it and call me. 
and I will be happy to get a copy of this to you by email, by U.S. Postal Service, however it needs to get to you, I will get you a copy of this prayer. Thank you, Dustin, because I don't believe that I can find a prayer like this on the Internet. Well, this is step one. Maybe by next week's podcast, we'll have it available on our website. Maybe. I'll I'll see what I can do, what time allows. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) You know, by putting on a website, we're subjecting ourselves to theological challenge. I love being subjected to theological challenge. I love it, which is a weird thing, but I do. We're not going to get into that. We're already about at an hour, maybe a little bit over. So any closing remarks, Steve? Just wait for next week, and we will talk We will talk about wisdom, guidance, strength, encouragement, and anointing. All right. We, yeah, that's five words. We might get through all five <laughs> <laughs> next week with many more, many more to follow. And you that. don't think a past is complex? <laughs> <laughs> well, you, I think in this you might have made the mistake of uh, letting me talk too much, but uh, we'll discover that as we go. Um, Thank you very much for joining me here. It was uh, quite a pleasure today. Thank you. Thank you. My pleasure.